Hi. Welcome to the Gripe podcast. In this podcast, we learn how to grow mission-driven organizations. I'm your host Farhat Khan, CEO of Gripe. If you want to grow the membership of your professional association, please take a look at the workshops on our website at gripe.ca/services. That is g r y p e.ca/services. In this episode, I speak to Christina Becker from Canadian Nonprofit Academy. Christina has been working with nonprofits for around 40 years. She is the founder of Canadian Nonprofit Academy and also a partner at Becker Associates. Christina runs a number of training programs to help nonprofit leadership teams be more effective in their work. So Christina knows quite a bit about governance in nonprofits. Today we will hear from Christina how good governance can be the secret sauce to drive innovation in nonprofit teams. Here's the interview. Hi Christina, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, I'm so delighted. <laughs> can you start by telling us a bit about yourself and your work? Mhm. Yeah. Um so um I've been in the field in the nonprofit sector for I guess uh 40 years. It was kind of my first endeavor outside of after university. And I've had various kinds of roles. I kind of think um about my career as having being all around different aspects of the table. Um uh you know i've been a volunteer i've been a board president i've been a consultant well i am a consultant i've been a staff member and so i i really see it from so many different angles and all of the different uh um you know interests that various people around the board table have um about 5 years ago 5 or 6 years ago we decided becker associates decided that there was a a definite need in our uh, around the organizations that we managed for board training uh we felt that our the board the boards we were reinventing the wheel almost every single time a new board came on and at that point i thought okay well let's let's start offering board training as part of the thing that we do and then i grew that within the last two or three years or so to the canadian nonprofit academy which i did i founded as a division of becker associates and we do uh board training consulting coaching for both volunteers and executive directors as well as um uh do a pretty innovative i think online training program for boards in um uh in uh in Canada and actually maybe in the United States we're not quite sure if we can expand out there but we're going to we're going to try So that's Alrighty. a little bit about me, yeah. Okay. And uh Christina, fun fact, I guess you're working with your brother as well on this at Becker Associates. Yes. I had a chance to actually speak to him that day, which is yes. amazing. Yeah, we we actually, you know, Becker Associates started by our mother in 1980, who's a pretty innovative, you know, head of her time person and so we um we uh so we took over running the company about oh maybe about 10 years ago and then Adam um as i my interests were going in a slightly different direction Adam took over 
the presidency of, of Becker Associates. And so, um, yeah, but we still, um, so we, we have these two parts of the company that we each kind of run. And uh, it's, it's interesting working with a family member. <laughs> Right. Most of, most of the time we're on totally the same page, which is actually pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, Christina, uh, what are some of the common uh, misconceptions that people have around nonprofit governance that you see? Mm. Mm. Well, I, you know, I think, um, um, well, the misconceptions uh, is that it it's not to be taken seriously. I think there is um, a prevailing attitude within nonprofits that especially around board members, because this is a volunteer position, uh, there is no need to be trained. There is no need to be uh, uh, to be brought up to speed. Um, there's a kind of a, there, there's a, I wouldn't say a lack of commitment, but there's certainly, there's certainly a, a prevailing attitude that because this is volunteer, people don't need to be trained, especially as volunteer leaders. And I think that is, that's a big, uh, a big misconception uh, that that I think uh, needs to be challenged um, because that is the kind of that attitude is the kind of thing that leads to a lot of board dysfunction and not out of uh, any ill will or, uh, you know, or, or anything like that because board members are well, are certainly well-intentioned. They have a commitment to the cause. I think that when they are untrained or unaware there is a huge danger that they are not making the best decisions for the organization and therefore they get caught up in issues that are not related to why they're there, but other things. So, um, so I think that that's, that's one thing. Um, I think that, uh, nonprofits also forget that their overall responsibility is to guide. They are volunteer leaders. They need to guide the organization and to ensure future sustainability. And I know this because I've, you know, I've been on many boards as a volunteer. It is so easy to get caught in the what needs to be done into the weeds. You know, you've got things that are right in front of you and you have to do that, but that there is a very important role to be strategic and to be thinking outside of the organization. Um, and I think a lot of boards actually forget to do that. Right, so when it comes to governance, I guess the executive team and the board has to work together. Mm. So, um, so where would you draw the line? Like, whose responsibility is it to actually take care of governance as opposed to management? You know, right? Um, well, overall, I think it's the board's responsibility to think about governance, uh, and and this is a very interesting and a fine line because. 
Um, you know, this is, this is actually a very interesting question because I believe that because boards forget or they don't know that their role is oversight, governance, the big picture, advisory, you know, strategic, they, they put on their manager's hat and then they start to manage. And if you have a CEO or a general manager or an executive director, their job is really to manage the, the organization under the guidance and the advice of the, of the board. And so often these two lines get so, you know, blurred sometimes and you know, many um, bane of, of executive director's existence could be an over-meddling board. So technically, I like to think of it this way. I think that the board is the volunteer, the governance leadership. There's a certain um, community leadership that the boards need to be thinking about. And the uh, and then there's staff leadership, management, operational leadership, which is the role of the executive director or whatever, whatever your position is called. But certainly that is the staff role. And there has to be a very nice kind of balance, a very nice interaction between the two because it really is a partnership, very much of, of a partnership. But those lines get very muddied if if it's not clear between whose role is is what. Right. So when that happens, uh, you mentioned that uh, oftentimes the board will actually get uh, too hands on on the day to day mm -hmm. management or execution. So um, uh, why is that bad? Like why why not get more help? You know, if you have a solid board, which people are willing to help out. So what issues mm -hmm. might come come up from that? You think? Well. Um, the issues are that uh, there is a challenge around board uh, situation that it is episodic. And so what that means is, is that um, board members come in during a meeting, right? And they like they may get together like once a month or maybe once every quarter, depending on how the, the governance goes. They're not aware of the day-to-day -day complications day in, day out. And so well-meaning could be, um, just could be totally off the mark, right? Because they don't actually understand the operations necessary to actually be making a decision. That's why it becomes a little problematic. Uh, because if they don't, um, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've seen, actually, we, I saw this on our board, and um, because I have been on so many different sides of the, the, um, uh, of the table, I, I know the questions to ask, but on a board that I sat on, we committed to the board uh, initiated a huge, huge project and did it without the staff in input and wasted a lot of money because the staff had to um, do a backtrack. And 
and had they had input into the project, we might have done a number of things. One, we might have actually gone to a different provider or we might have actually um, saved ourselves a lot of grief. And that's what happens when a board member takes on a particular project and kind of does it in isolation, right? There's just a lot, there's a potential to lose resources, um, spend a lot of money, um, and then the board member leaves, right? And then, um, and then all subsequent board member, the boards have to clean up the mess. And for many nonprofits, the resources that they have are very precious, right? So that that that's a case. That is a case in point um, when the board kind of meddles into um, things that they really shouldn't be. So there needs to be this very healthy conversation between staff and and the board. So, yeah. Right, right. So Christina, in our discussions earlier, you told me that uh, governance should be your secret sauce to driving innovation. Yeah. Can you tell mm -hmm. us more about that? Yeah, for sure. I I think that this is really uh, is really really important. You know, I, th I think what we know this from how um, teams work in business, right? There is uh, there's a code of conduct. There is everybody's on the same page. Everybody is working really well together towards the same goal. And I think that when a board bands together and becomes a phenomenal team, really has each other's backs, knows what they're working towards, then the power of the group to provide a found, can provide the foundation for creativity and innovation um, because you've got the power of the, the group that's all working towards the same, the same goal. But I think this is, it can only happen when everyone has the foundational knowledge of the organization, so really understands what the organization is about, where it needs, where it's going, what the role of the board is, what its role is, um, the strategic direction, um, you know, the culture is good. Culture does support uh, core values that actually get lived out. Um, in people's interactions with each other. And those kind of foundational organizations uh, or foundational principles, I think create um, the, the, the right environment for creativity and innovation. Other than that, they're just going through the motions. So, um, you know, that, and this whole idea of agility, which is, which has become a very hot topic within the for-profit field is starting to make itself known in the not-for-profit idea. But that means that organizations, board members have to change very much about, first of all, how they're making decisions. Um, and, oh, sorry. <laughs> I hope you're going to edit this. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. We can keep going. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, that was because <laughs> that was my dog. <laughs> yeah. um, 
that um, so so much board member time is 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 involved in um, uh, you know reading reports and doing the oversight and and all of the kind of boring stuff of board meetings and not very much time in terms of talking about ideas or brainstorming or strategy or where are we. And so when, you know, big issues aren't given enough time to be talked about, then they, uh, and then they get put to the end of the meeting when people actually are feeling tired and they're bored and they just want to get home, um, those, those big decisions are delayed for months and months and months and months. And so I think it's a re people to really be innovative and to be agile, you have to change the way the board is actually meets. Yeah, um, there are, you know, you can do a number of things like um, uh, have all of the reports sent beforehand and everybody has to read them. And there's only discussion if uh, there's only a discussion if um, um, there's a question so that you leave um, so a lot of time for using people's best skills, which is why they're on the board. So it does mean a different mindset in terms of how boards are actually run. And, um, um, and I think that that may be the biggest, you know, that's maybe the biggest um, obstacle for uh, uh, nonprofits because it's just like, it's the way that it's always been done, right? People meet, they read reports, they motion and stuff, and then they go home. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and I guess, yeah. uh, Christina, not just for boards, we find this in many other business meetings as well. So if it's an organizational meeting, people um, uh, kind of like don't prepare early on for the meeting and they actually expect to get all the work done during the meeting, right? Right, so, but exactly. Right. And then I, I guess like the problem, like this is a problem for businesses in general. But mm. if you are if your board is not able to like meet like too often, which is often the case for nonprofits. Right. So actually mm -hmm. the problem is even amplified because mm. the small amount of time that you have, you're not actually investing that time into like ideas or strategies or like maybe like setting directions. Right. Beautiful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. exactly. Okay. So, 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 Christina, if, if that is the case, um, so who are the key players who should actually um, be involved in making a change? <laughs> yes, right, exactly. Well, if you have, if you are primarily a working board, i.e. you don't have a lot of staff, then I think it's the executive committee of your board. So it's your board president or chair or vice chair. It has, there has to be a champion in the, on the board to make the change. And normally the board's chair's responsibility, at least in the boards that I've been involved in, is to set the agenda. So then that means that the board chair has a tremendous amount of power in terms of setting the tone. So a board chair then needs to uh, reconstruct an agenda and and say okay we're going to be doing th different things he here um 
And uh, it can't be just one-sided. Like you can't, like the innovation or the change just can't happen from the board level. It also has to happen at the staff level. So if you've got a general manager or an executive director or a small staff, there has to be a partnership between the two in terms of changing the way that things happen. Um, and those, I mean, it's like any organizational change, right? That any organization, whether it's a for-profit or not-for-profit, ultimately we're looking at change of behavior and change of attitudes and, um, and, and a very just like, how is the board uh, functioning? So if the culture of the board is already dysfunctional, then you've actually got to make a change for that. Now, I was involved recently in a, a, a big, uh, a big organizational change project. And um, I think I did not realize until after I got into about three quarters of the way after I did all the research and I actually made some solid recommendations that there was a culture that supported conflict and that there was a conflict that was actually pre-existing that every time they would make want to make a change towards new things, this conflict with a um, um, with a, a, a with a, a committee of the board rose its ugly head and needed to be dealt with, and um, uh, and they were trying to make this change in culture, but it just uh, it didn't happen. And so eventually, I, you know, I I'm I'm not quite sure. I hope that that the project in long term will be successful, but I'm not exactly sure. And they spend a lot of money, you know, to, to do an organizational change project. So, you know, as as Peter Drucker says, you know, uh, culture will eat strategy for lunch or breakfast or all three meals, you know, <laughs> right? So the culture is actually really important. And do your core values actually mirror you know, what it is that you're trying to do and how are people behaving. So behavior is actually a really, really interesting piece. Right, right. Yeah. And, and what you're telling me, Christina, is that uh, if the board is already dysfunctional or, or if there is a problem in the culture overall, then it's not going to just fix itself. You actually have to bite the bullet, take some really hard decisions to be able to fix things. And I guess yeah. um, one, of the, one of the key issues that we often find many people like don't uh, take seriously is that sometimes it's a people problem right so maybe mm. maybe well, we don't have the right team members in the team yeah right? so yeah yeah and and what I'm um, what, like in my experience working with nonprofits as well oftentimes we, we find that the teams do not invest enough time in recruiting their board as their hires but yeah. I think like if, if the people who are actually like giving you strategic directions you actually have to be even more careful as mm. opposed to hiring your employees in choosing your board. Mm. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's really, really important. And it's, um, it's, a, it's interesting because it's a little bit of a chicken and egg thing. And it, this is, it's a really, whoop. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yep, no worries, no worries. It's, it's a really good, good question. Um, 
there are a lot of people who, um, who have had bad board experiences because of dysfunctional boards or their whatever, right? And so I've talked to people, like I talk to people on planes or whatever, and I say, oh, you know, I'm doing this thing. And they go, oh, yeah, I was on a board and I never do it again. I said, why? why? He said, well, because it was dysfunctional. It was really, it was bad. We didn't do very much. It was just, it was a waste of time. And so as a result of that, then it's harder to recruit board members, right? Because, because nobody wants to be on a board because they've had a bad experience, which means that their experience, their expertise is now no longer available. But to give a board a good experience, you need to have a good working culture. You need to have a really great team. Um, and so, but if you're going to the bottom of the barrel, well, that's a little excessive. That's a little extreme in terms of the thing. But if you're kind of going, oh, I'm just going to get whoever I can get because I need a board member and I don't have a, I don't have an opportunity to actually be picky because there's not that many people. And I think this may be true in associations more than any other kind of non nonprofit. Right. That is that then, then uh, it kind of reinforces the dysfunction. It reinforces the fact that people are having bad experiences. So I, my philosophy is that um, if people are well trained and and they follow some of the best practices, then in fact you you create for your board a fantastic experience that they would not get any other place and then they the reasons why they're going to leave is because um, they're tired or they've got other priorities but they will say oh I've had a great experience on this board really you know I felt like I was felt like I was valued I, I contributed something that was you know just like a good employee right I mean, this, it's the same, it's the same, the actual same process. It's just, you don't pay your volunteers. But I think that's a really great, it's a really important thing is what kind of experience is the organization giving its board members? Right, right. And I guess um, right at the time when we are recruiting our board member for the next cycle, what we should probably do is make sure that the experience is mutually beneficial. So yes. the board member is getting something solid out of it, maybe professionally mm -hmm. or maybe through social networking or something yeah. else along the lines. Mm -hmm. So if so, even though it's a volunteer position, I, there has to be some other tangible or intangible benefits that the board member is getting. Absolutely. And, and then if that fit is not there, then right at the very beginning, just because someone is willing to volunteer, maybe um, they should not be allowed to, right? If, mm. So only when there is a mutually yeah. beneficial like a relationship then it's going to like work out really well yeah now i you know i yes ex exactly and that could be intrinsic i mean let's say like somebody let's say in a professional association where there are let's say people are working by themselves a lot like as entrepreneurs or solo practitioners or whatever them being on a board is an amazing experience as a team. 
to give, to work in a group, to work towards something um, uh, like the, to the greater good or to the larger interest of the profession uh, with, uh, with people of like mind. And I think there's like, there's a lot of value in that, you know, there's a real, but I think you're absolutely right. And to understand this is a core piece of our board training uh, course is that, you know, to look at motivation, look at why board members are, are joining, um, because you want to actually create an alignment, as you said, right, between what their interests are, what their expectations are, and what the organization needs. Right, right. Yeah. So, so Christina, say if an organization is trying to improve their governance overall, mm-hmm. um, so what should be the first few steps that they should take? Um, it's really, that's a really, really good question. Um, you know, I think, um, I think the first thing, if, if people have not instituted a board orientation, uh, on a formal board orientation and a board training program as part of the initiation, um, then then I think that is really, really the first step. And then to make sure that the processes are support the board um, playing a key role in the, as I said, the long-term sustainability of the organization. I think that's because there needs to be this alignment between where the the organization is going, its mission, you know, and its strategies for achieving that mission and everything else that is in is going with that. So do every so in a way looking at do all of the processes and procedures and how the organization functions support the mission and the impact that that the organization wants to make. And if there is any kind of misalignment with that, uh, then um, um, then the governance is not going to work as well as it needs to. Right, right. Yeah. And I guess um, if you are a new board member, you haven't like volunteered in any board before, then it's actually quite a bit to learn. So the there's learning a lot curve is, to learn. yeah, yeah. There's a lot to learn, and like including uh, Robert's rules, you know, which which can be overwhelming by itself. People just don't yeah. know it, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> right, right. Okay. So now say that uh, we started by training our board, and our mm-hmm. board is kind of like um, properly onboarded. They know the basics of of like uh, helping mm-hmm. the organization grow. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. when it comes to their day-to-day execution, like their like board meetings and whatnot, um, what should the board focus on and what, sh- what they should not focus on? Well, that, that, that is also, that's p- part of the, um, that, that, those decisions are unique to the organization and the size of the organization. Um, larger organizations that actually have staff, then the board is more of a policy advisory strategic kind of 
focus. So their role is mainly oversight, um, and they probably their governance is probably pretty solid because it's been developed over a long period of time. Smaller organizations, probably like under maybe you know to maybe five six hundred thousand dollars in an annual budget, let's say those that is. Uh, distinction gets a little muddy because probably there is limited staff and therefore the board then is a working board to some degree and 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 that's just a product of necessity right it's just some things that need to be done by board members not because they're meddling but because it needs to be done and there's no other person to do it so that's just a function of a small working board. Um, but as I said before, you know, you, if you get too much into the weeds and forget that in fact you've got this oversight. And so, you know, regardless of, of how much of the, the working, of the organization still needs to be done. There are other things that really need to be done too, like forward thinking, like uh, uh, future sustainability. Is the mission still relevant? What, you know, are the projects that we're doing in alignment with our the strategic goals? You know, all of those kind of big picture sustainability um, guiding, which is um, taken from uh, the governance as leadership model, is that as a board, their role, the role is in leadership. So that's really about steering. So they really, at some point, need to put their steering, their captain's hats on and, you know, and actually think about where are we going and all of that kind of stuff. So that becomes a real challenge, especially when an, an organization is is growing and they have to make a shift between a working board and a policy board. Uh, I've seen this I've seen this many, many times with small boards that what they do is they make a decision for the specific situation. What should we do about this? Well, we should do this, which is very specific tactical. And then they make a motion, so-and-so is going to call so-and-so with this information and therefore, you know, whatever. But at a larger, when the organization grows, and this is a very tactical thing, you have to start thinking about policy. Like, is, is the situation a policy-worthy situation so that, in fact, the board needs to be creating a policy that is going to guide future actions? And, you know, uh, many boards don't think that way. They think, oh, we got to find a solution for this particular problem. And therefore, they're in the weeds and they're not actually looking at the larger, you know, is this something that is going to come up again? If this is going to come up again, do we need to be thinking about a policy? Or, you know, is this a trend? You know, all of those kind of higher order things that boards from larger organizations know very well and they practice that very well 
but smaller boards, um, smaller organizations, um, they really have an issue with that. Yeah. Right. And, mm -hmm. uh, and Christina, like when we speak about innovation, I guess innovation starts um, from the bottom or from the top. It's really hard to tell. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in, the, um, in the organization that I had a chance to work with and then like in, in our company as well, I kind of like see that innovation starts from the top. So right at the very beginning, right at the top, like there has to be um, some some drive for innovation. There has to be uh, mm. some some motivation there, you know, like to actually try new things, you know, like yep. explore ideas, you know, like think out of the box. And then only when it starts from there, then uh, I guess like the rest of the team can be inspired to be more innovative, you know, like take yep. chances, take risks. Yep. And, and that's how an organization will grow by like leaps and bounds, right? Mm. So um, when, it, when it comes to driving innovation, uh, what are your thoughts on like how boards should actually like approach this? How, how, how should they actually try to make their team more innovative? Yeah, um, great, great question. I, you know, I think you're right about um, the idea that it has to come from the top. So uh, at a board level, we'd be talking about a board chair. And the board chair is really setting the tone um, and will drive the thinking outside of the box. But as I said, though, I think, you know, we had... Um, we, um, the board that I sit on, I think was a really good example. We have, uh, or just recently had a, a chair who was an entrepreneur as well as a therapist and, um, really was, was, um, you know, getting us to think outside of the box. And so, but the real truthful innovation actually arose from a kind of a group think a group thing that was happening during one board meeting where we were trying to figure out how could we support our members in um, according to the pandemic. And all of a sudden somebody just said, well, let, why don't we just do this? I don't, and I think it may have been our board president. I'm not quite sure. Somebody said it was the president and we were, we all went, wow, what a great idea. And it was implemented within 24 hours. And we're still doing it. And it's, it's really, it's a, um, and each board member, um, you know, hosts a, uh, a community hour two or three times a week for board, for members just to drop in. And it's been amazing to create community and also to help our members, um, kind of weather the pandemic. And so um, it's, it's been really, really effective. And we've met people that we wouldn't have met. So the community has actually really grown. And it was just this little thing that said, um, well, why don't we do this? And it was just like, everywhere I went, yeah, cause that really fits our mission, you know? And um, so there is something magical, I think, about innovation, I think maybe you've, you've experienced that too, where there's something magical or there's just something where the energy of the group is such that it's just like, you know, somebody presents an idea and it's just like, oh, of course, that that is it. And then it just grows in such a way that is, uh, you know, um, is really amazing. Of course, that could also be the other way around. But so you do need to evaluate, you know, 
is this doing what it is that we're supposed we we need to be doing or you know and in fact it for us it was i think um it wasn't just a crisis um opportunity although although and then we found out that it had tremendous value so yeah Right, so, right. yeah, I, I think there has to be a culture of innovation. There has to be a culture of of communication and discussion and dialogue and consultation um, so that you actually, you know, activate the, the, the collective wisdom, so to speak, within the organization. Right. And that, I think, is a lot easier in a not-for-profit because there's community involved and there's stakeholders that are serving than it is for business, which is, you know, there could be like one owner or, you know, a series of small group of owners. Right. So that that conversation is just slightly different. Right, right. And mm -hmm. I guess the pandemic has uh, really pushed us to think out of the box in many different ways. And yeah, I'm glad totally. that we are adjusting at this time. It's been like yeah. three months in lockdown, I guess. <laughs> oh, my God. Totally. Three months in lockdown. Oh, my God. Yeah. Right. yeah. So, Christina, yeah. what will be your key takeaway for our audience today? Well, I think um, it's a broken record, but um, you know, train your board members, you know, train your board members and, and make sure that they are well equipped to serve your organization well. I often think about it as like if you were going into a company and you were hired by a company to do a particular job, yes, you would have had some skills but you wouldn't go into that job uh, not expecting to be trained on the, on the ins and outs of that particular organization, how it functions, what it does, uh, what's your role in that, you know? You just wouldn't. And, and I think that um, the same principle actually applies to your volunteer leaders. Um, second, always keep your eye on the mission. Remember that that is your true north. That's, that's the impact that you're trying to make. And that ultimately will determine if you are successful in realizing, um, you know, your mission and your impact. Um, also really important to have a strategic plan and to focus on the future. You know, where are you going? And, um, uh, and a number of that. And then finally, I think, um, making sure that you obviously do a debrief, you do an evaluation of where you are and um, and how well you've done. As, as most businesses actually already, most do that. Um, you know, it's like, well, we had this project and how well did we do? What did we learn and what do we need to do differently? You know, that is kind of a mindset that I think more nonprofits need to adopt. So those I think would be, um, yeah, so board training, board orientation, I think are really, really key for a, a well-run, exceptional nonprofit that makes the difference that it wants to make. Awesome, awesome. Christina, I just have two more questions for you to help our audience before we okay. wrap up. Okay. Um, uh, what personal habit has contributed the most uh, to your success, you think? 
Oh, great One of your personal habits, yeah. Well, um, um, journal writing, actually, I've been doing it for, um, 40, no, 40 years, every morning for a long time. Um, and I take, uh, I take, uh, after, after an hour or so, I take it maybe 30 minutes to 45 minutes every morning to uh, review my day from the day before and what have I learned and what's uh, um, and what has happened and um, and also to set my intentions for my current day. Um, so I um, so I've been very present to things that have given me joy and happiness and though and especially looking at what happens with um when things have kind of knocked me off my center or been upset or whatever and to usually and to take that time to understand you know through my own for my own self-awareness so I can be a better consultant a better therapist a better uh leader just to support my own self-awareness so i think that is so i what i would say is an active process of self-discovery and self-awareness is probably um i think probably the biggest thing that i've adopted and i've been doing it for many years yeah Christina, thank you so much for that. I've been doing journaling for quite some time. And what mm -hmm. I find is that um, the process of like writing down the slow thinking, the slow thinking actually like helps you self-reflect much better than maybe just like mm -hmm. typing things on a computer. So mm -hmm. like just sitting on my iPad, like typing out my thoughts, you know, write, writing down my thoughts, the slow thinking, mm -hmm. I think that helps me a lot in sometimes coming up with new ideas or to actually get a completely different take on something that I was, wasn't thinking the last day. So yeah, 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 I totally, totally. agree with you. Mm. Alrighty, and Christina, mm. uh, can you share a digital tool or a strategy um, that makes you effective in your work? Oh yeah, I've got so I've got so <laughs> many. I, you know, I um, um, I am uh, always looking for productivity tools. Cause I've got a lot on my go, lot on the go. And, um, I, um, I, I need to really maximize my day and get as much done as I possibly can during my day. So, uh, about a year or so ago, I went to, um, uh, Gmail and, uh, uh um, G Suite for my business, hmm. which has helped, which has helped coordinate, um, my, my assistant and, you know, other people. And that, that, that's been very helpful. I've just found a new tool that I'm just exploring, which I, I'm beginning to really like. I actually, I can say I love it. And it is a, a tool called Notion. I don't know if you've heard about it. Um, but it is, uh, very, um, so adaptable to creating a kind of a personal, uh, 
a life system for yourself. Um, and I just started it about a month ago and I've got my to-do and I've got projects in there and um, I'm creating a wiki for courses that I'm gonna teach and it's a way to capture research. Um, and um, so, uh, and it's all in one place, which is the thing that I really like about it. At this moment, I was, I had stuff in, Word, I had stuff in uh, OneNote, I had stuff in, in a task manager, and it was just, I kind of go, where did I put that thing? I can't remember where I put that thing. And then I would spend 15 or 20 minutes trying to find the thing on my one, you know, my two terabyte hard drive. <laughs> And I couldn't find it. And it was just, I literally would spend 15 or 20 minutes kind of going, I knew I wrote something about that. Anyways, this solution I hope is going to help me spend less time looking for things because everything will be in the same place. It's a little thing called Notion. So I'm really, I'm really like, it's word based, it's uh, web based and you can also do a desktop version. So. I'll definitely check it out. So, Christina, um, uh, how can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about your work? Oh, thanks, thanks so much. Uh, um, uh, it's the uh, Canadian Nonprofit Academy, uh, and that is uh, www.canadian-nonprofitacademy.com. And uh, you get a, a sense about the, our, our board program um, and our coaching program. Uh, they can get in touch with me directly um, at cjbecker at beckerassociates.ca. And we've got a couple of really innovative projects um, coming up. Um, we're doing, um, like you, we're doing um, uh, web, free webinars every, you know, one to two months on just things that we think are really, really important. And I'm about ready to launch a nonprofit board president coaching program, mentorship program for volunteer board presidents as a pilot to start in the fall of 2020. Um, and we will be talking more about that program and also offering some free advice, uh, um, just like a lot of value in a webinar that we're gonna do on July 22nd. Um, check out uh, the uh, Canadian Nonprofit Academy website for more information about that. We'll have stuff up probably in about a week or so. Or if your listeners are, you know, are really keen, then just drop me an email and I will make sure that I will um, give people, you know, all of the information around that. So thanks. Absolutely. Well, Christina, mm -hmm. thank you so much for your time today. It was great having you on our show. Thanks so much. I just really, really enjoyed being here. I hope that hopefully it was helpful to your listeners. That was the interview with our guest today. I always learn quite a bit in our podcast interviews, and I hope you will be able to use some of the ideas in this episode for your organization soon. Once again, if you want to grow the membership of your professional association, do check out the workshops on our website at gripe.ca slash services. That is gripe.ca slash services. All right. I look forward to speaking to you in one of our future episodes. Bye for now.